0: You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John O'Jaka. All right, John O'Jacquesa here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 43 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Brian Vander Ark, the lead singer from the band The Verve Pipe. If by some chance you're not familiar with The Verve Pipe, they're a gold and platinum selling uh, band. They've released multiple albums, sold millions of of albums, Um, and uh, they're they're making some pretty great music. And Brian has been uh, fronting that band for, I don't know, decades. Decades now. So anyway, Brian, uh, he, he also happens to be a, a good friend. Uh, we had the pleasure of sort of running in the same circles in Los Angeles, but also acting in a movie together uh, years ago called Dead and Breakfast and kind of just living on the set for a month and hanging out. And, and as you do, you get to chatting. And I asked Brian to sit in on an interview with me a decade ago. So he was like the first guy to be uh, the first guest on the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. The only caveat being there wasn't a Music Marketing Manifesto podcast yet. Podcasts 10 years ago weren't what they are today. Uh, And it was just sort of an interview that I shared with folks and it, it, it did sort of find its way into the feed for a while, but it wasn't formatted as a traditional interview. And so it, that, that information as valuable as it, as it was, it's not really been out there for me to share with you guys. And obviously, with a decade uh, between now and then, things have changed a little bit. And so I asked Brian if he'd sit in and do uh, a sort of do-over on that interview. Now, what we're going to be talking about is something that uh, I... I had reservations about releasing right now. We're going to be talking about house concerts, and obviously this is coming to you at a time when we're in the middle of a pandemic. Many people are in quarantine and various states of sort of lockdown. Uh, Live venues, for the most part, are closed or at least very restricted. Socializing is very restricted for many of you. It depends where you are in the world. You know, I'm in New Zealand where things are much better than they are for most, uh, and live music is still happening. But for the most part this isn't the time for a house concert tour but I thought it was uh, something worth sharing for a couple of reasons we're sharing at this time for a couple of reasons. One, the information is great and we will there will be a new normal at some point in the future um, and you're gonna you're gonna want to have this information downloaded in your brain so you can act on it when the time is right. But there's also an interesting sort of, problem facing musicians, which is that this pandemic, as many of you know, is just really going to hit live, or is hitting, and already has hit live venues very, very hard. Many are not going to survive. So When we emerge from this, and I don't know if this is months or years away, it doesn't feel like it's months. It feels like it's quite a ways away. But when we emerge from this, we're very likely to have a situation where we have far more musicians than we do uh, venues. So do you want to go and compete for those very limited spots? Years from now, or do you want to take matters into your own hand and or your own hands and go a little more a little more punk rock, a little more old school, and get out there and make your own venues? Which is exactly what you can do with house concerts. So, I did think that it was probably a good idea to to sort of frame this along those lines and kind of plant the seeds that we may, all of us, may need to be thinking about more house concert-like opportunities um, in the fairly near future once, once uh, life, once the wheels start moving a little bit more on the various economies around the world and we start reverting to uh, some semblance of normality. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Again, Brian's a good dude, a smart dude, and uh, he's got some really fantastic information to share with you guys, and I hope you dig it. Now, before we do that, um, I just kind of wanted to remind everyone, if you dig this podcast, if you like what we're about here at Music Marketing Manifesto, do me a favor and uh, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen to this podcast, leave a rating and review. Those things really do help. I also wanted to remind all of you, if you're a musician who is struggling to generate income from your music, uh, then I I might suggest you take a look at some of my programs. Uh, I've been a Music Marketing Manifesto. Uh, It really is sort of the original source for direct-to-fan marketing. Uh, I've been at it since, well, the first first book was released in 2007, and business really ramped up in 2009. And since then, I've helped thousands of musicians generate uh, income from their music. And I've got a list of testimonials that goes on and on and on, which you can find at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. When you're there, if you click on products and services, you'll find a number of different programs that can help you as a musician. There's Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, which will teach you a fundamental marketing model for your music. This is really the sort of flagship program, it's the marketing model that started it all. Uh, I've also got Music Ads Workshop, which is a Facebook. Uh, advertising program for people who want to take their advertising to the next level Uh, I've also got the insider circle which is a private mastermind group where you can join me every week for live coaching calls and each month I release new live training modules to complement the MMM marketing model Uh, and in addition to that I've got my new service no-brainer PR which is a guaranteed press service so instead of spending thousands of dollars to hire a publicist who might get you some press uh, you spend a set amount of money and you're guaranteed to get uh, reviews of your music as a result. So all of that again can be found in the under the products and services tab at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to be joined by Brian Vander Ark from the Verve Pipe to talk about house concerts. And he's going to uh, share with you his exact process and strategy for generating as much as six figures a year from doing nothing but house concerts. All right, back in a sec. You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast. Hey folks, John Ojaka here, and I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about a new app called CoreSound. CoreSound is an app for music makers like you that will analyze the commercial potential of your music. It works like this. CoreSound takes advantage of Apple's latest processors, neural network algorithms, and artificial intelligence to determine the quality of any song submitted via the CoreSound app. Simply add an audio file, give it a name, and tap ahead. Coresound automatically analyzes your music and compares it with the tracks at the top of the Apple Music Charts. You receive a score between 1 and 10 that immediately lets you know how your track potentially stacks up against the current top hits. Core Sound can inform you about the commercial potential of your song so you don't sink all that time, money, and energy into the wrong single. Coresound is your personal AI sound producer and is available on the App Store now. All right, on the line with me is Brian Vander Ark, the singer from Verve Pipe. Brian, thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm really excited to do uh, to to do this interview. We're going to be talking about house concerts as well as uh, a number of other things. But Brian is he's the very first. Uh, guest on the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. There, there actually wasn't a Music Marketing Manifesto podcast when uh, when I first interviewed you, and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, if you recall, Brian, this is about a decade ago, and uh, this is back w- while podcasts existed. It wasn't like I, you know, I hadn't set out to do a podcast, and, and marketers such as myself would go, and it was really commonplace at the time to just do these interviews and just share them with it. Here's a link, listen to the thing, and no, I'm not starting a podcast. So I just kind of went into it, thinking, you know, Brian's this great resource on house concerts. I want to pick his brain. I called you, didn't even tell you I was recording. And then afterwards said, hey, can I use that? Because that was, that, I thought, I think that was really great. And I don't know, I think I thought I was being clever or something with that move, but it was, it was weird. You were being clever. And the, fun, <laughs> the
1: funny thing is too, is that I got so much mileage out of that as well. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I nice shared awesome. it and, and telling awesome. people. So no, it was great for me too.
0: Oh, well, great. Well, I'm, I'm excited to do it again. Here we are a decade later. Much has changed, I'm sure, in your life. Certainly, much has changed in mine, and I, I really need a new, updated kind of resource on on house concerts because it has. House concerts have the potential to be a really important part of an independent musician's business model. And, and you know, I'll, I'll give you the floor momentarily, and you can certainly speak to that. But from the perspective of what I teach, you know, I teach musicians uh, direct. It's really direct response marketing. We more commonly call it direct-to-fan marketing around here because it's a, a term musicians can more easily get their heads wrapped around. But direct response marketing, really, it, it's really... A all about metrics. We use the internet. We use advertising to drive traffic and acquire leads. And then the two metrics that we pay attention to are uh, subscriber acquisition costs. How much does it cost to get someone on our mailing list? And subscriber value. What is the average amount of money we're making per subscriber? And it's really challenging. And frankly, not everyone can profit just selling a $10 album or, you know, some introductory offer of music, which is typically typically pretty low price but when you introduce some bigger ticket items like house Mm -hmm. concerts you suddenly boost that subscriber uh, value dramatically even with you know let's say you get a thousand leads and let's say you're paying a dollar a piece you got a thousand bucks you got to sell uh, A uh, uh, hundred albums to those thousand people to even break even, and that's a ten percent conversion rate, which is frankly, with direct response marketing, it's challenging. Some do it, some don't. But you you get two house concerts in the mix for say five hundred bucks a pop, and you know as you'll talk about, you can make even more than that. But suddenly you've doubled that, and you know that's just two, Um, and that that subscriber value goes up to two dollars, and suddenly you've got a whole lot of room, uh, a whole lot of uh, uh, Profit there, uh, which allows you to spend even more on advertising and scale up a little more freely. So this is a really important, or, or this represents house concerts represent really important potential for musicians who are embracing these kinds of strategies. And you are the man uh, when it comes to house concerts. So uh, let's back up a little bit. You know, as I mentioned, you're the you're the singer of Verve Pipe. You want to kind of get everybody up to speed. Maybe maybe walk us through how you go from being this this pretty massive rock star who's selling millions of records to a guy who's out there doing house concerts uh, every summer for, how, how long did you do it? I know, I know you just kind of retired from the house concerts tour uh, circuit this year, but you, what, a decade?
1: Yeah, no, over, yeah, it started in 2008, so, you know, 12, uh, I did 13 seasons actually, 2007, yeah, so, yeah, there was a lot, and I did it in a way that i could no longer do it mm-hmm. uh i would do two or three four a day on the weekends and the expectation from fans was that i would continue doing that, that to keep the price so low you right know? right right uh and I, I just could i couldn't handle that anymore i mean the throat couldn't handle it the Verve mm-hmm. pipe is playing so much more that i said okay i gotta get this up right. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to stop doing it but no it started out of necessity you know i you know the Verve pipe made a, what a Huge album, an album called Villains with the freshman and Photograph and a couple other songs that were did pretty well for us, and we sold a million and a half copies of that, and nice. uh, and we were golden. And then we made an album, a sophomore record that nobody bought, and that was a slap in the face. And then we went and made another album and and did it uh, and did it very frugally, and uh, and we happened to be released. Uh, a week after 9-11, and, um, and so within a month from, you know, there was a month there where we were strapped in, ready for the stratosphere, because we had a song that was on radio that was number 20-something with a bullet, mm-hmm. and then we had another song in the movie Rock Star uh, that was in the end of the movie, Mark Wahlberg sings a song to Jennifer Anderson, two of the biggest box office stars at of the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that was released the same time. And uh, and so, you know, was it was it? but a month later that I got the call from RCA that said, we're gonna drop you. And then, you know, I had already spent all my money.
2: And <laughs> I, went out and,
1: I went out and bought an RV and I sold everything that I had and kept my guitar and I drove around the country and wrote some songs. And then I decided uh, that uh, I'm gonna have to figure something out when I met a girl and we wanted to raise a family. And I got an email from a fan and she said, hey, I wonder if you'd come play my birthday party. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of a rock star. I'm not
2: going to play your birthday
1: party. <laughs> uh, she pulled me, me back and she said, I'll pay you $2,500. And I'm like, what? What time is that party? You
2: know?
1: <laughs> and I I went I went to her house and she had set up her, uh, her living room like a venue. You know, she had 50 folding chairs for her family and friends. And there were family photos on the wall and fresh flowers in the vases, you know, and, uh, and I played an hour's worth of songs. I let her pick all the songs. And, and I got done. And I went home that night. And I had a check for $2,500 in one pocket. I had $500 of merchandise sales in the other pocket. And I'm driving. And I'm like, I have 4,000 people on my mailing list. They all have birthdays. That's $10 million. <laughs> I like, yes, I right. figured it out. I've cracked the code. Right. And so I had to lower my expectations, but when I sent the email out the next day, I just sent it out to my 4,000 fans, I said, look, book me into your home, we'll cut out the middleman, I'll come, I'll play for an hour, hang out for an hour, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll teach you how to play a few chords or whatever, let your kids come up and play with me, we'll make it a really fun two-hour experience, and I sent the email out, and within 24 hours I booked 52 shows, it was wow. crazy, wow. it was ridiculous, the amount of shows that I booked, Um and I actually booked like eight that weekend. Stupidly, I ruined my profit. We're talking about profit. I ruined my profit, margin because they were all over the U.S. I had to make flight ticket and fly right. tickets and, <clears throat> and fly to different places. So I ruined my overhead. But, but that was, what I figured out from that first weekend is that I don't need a PA system to travel. Mm. So I try to book shows on one weekend in St. Louis. I'll book one show for a certain amount of money. And then I'll put an email out to all those people in St. Louis and say, hey, I'm coming to your area. You can jump on this, and everybody's costs will come down if you jump on this. And that's how I booked five or six, you know, in St. Louis, and that worked out great. The next year, I booked over 100, I think 110 in the summer months, and then it, it stayed about that until yeah, a couple of years ago. And I said, okay, enough's enough. I can't do this anymore.
0: Right, right.
1: But no, it absolutely saved it absolutely saved my life.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and let's walk everybody. I mean, you just spelled it out pretty well but let's walk everybody through kind of the mechanics of this so because a lot of people are sitting there going well I do I have a mailing list how how exactly do you do this Um, because there's it's a little complicated it's a little there's some manual stuff to this it's not completely automated as you say Um, so when you say you booked a show you start with one you put out an email one person replies saying I want to book you Uh, how do you set your pricing you know like if you could systematize this for people um, you know how how can we do it
1: in the beginning, I wanted to play as many as possible, and I didn't know what to charge. And I figured that having a bit of a marquee name at that point, mm-hmm. still at that point, that I could charge anywhere from, well, she paid me $2,500, but I, I thought, well, what what is, it worth, what is it worth for me to go in for a couple hours? I'd say the lowest I did it for was like $500. Mm-hmm. So for $500, I come to your house, you know, you do, there's no other additional cost. I take care of my own travel, my own hotel and everything. Uh, and, the, and the thing about it that I found out is that even though people weren't buying CDs that much, everybody wants to leave with something. So people did buy CDs. Everybody walked out with a CD for an extra $10 a piece, and there's four or $500 in merchandise sales on top of that. Totally. So I could keep that price low. Now, if I were somebody wanted me to travel and I had to fly somewhere, for instance, like I said, St. Louis, then that's going to be the cost of a flight. I'll look at flights before i answer the email i say yeah, i can get a flight there for you know 500 bucks right so i'll set the price at about a thousand for the trouble and then 500 dollars for the flight a couple hundred dollars for a hotel at the most or mm-hmm. maybe 300 for two nights or whatever and other travel expenses so you're looking at you know i mean for, right, could, i should you, I hopefully you did the math there i, doing, but, uh, I, I know, sort of you're did talking I... about a couple thousand dollars yeah couple thousand dollars to 2500 dollars to go down to st louis then I send an email out to all my people in that area, and I say, hey, I'm already coming down. Let, I can come to your house at this time, from this time to this time, and, and it's only going to cost you this amount of money. For instance, in that situation, I'd say, I can, bring you, I can, I can come into your place for 750 Got it. Right? And then I'll write the original person, and I'll say, hey, look, I've got some other concerts now. I can bring your price down. Oh, nice! So I would actually bring their price down, which they would appreciate. Yeah, I bet. now I bring their price down because everybody shares the the expenses, and then that not only helps endear you to your fans, but it's it's very uh, it's it's a no brainer for them to say, "Well, we're going to do this next
2: year." Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: as well, because I got them for fifteen hundred when I thought I was going to pay twenty
2: five. Mm, you totally,
1: know what I mean? Totally. So that's that's essentially the mechanics, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing to say, look, I'm either going to sit in a hotel room or I'm going to go to somebody's house for a couple hours and play a show and make four or five hundred dollars.
2: Right. Right.
1: I mean, you have to be you have to be willing to do that. I don't know a lot of musicians who aren't uh, uh, or aren't willing to do that, especially at a start at a starting level. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's a nice chunk of change for a house concert.
2: Sure. But
1: if if somebody were just starting doing them and you've got, you know, 100 people on your. Uh, on your mail, on uh, your mailing list, uh, you know, uh, around that, you you know, you charge a couple hundred dollars if you can if you can get it,
2: right, know? right,
1: um, and then sell, bring merchandise to sell because, like I said, there everybody wants to support you. I also put out a guitar case in the beginning. Um, this is a merchandise thing, merchandising thing. I put on a guitar case and I let people set their own price. You want a CD. You can take a CD. Right. You want to put ten dollars in there? Put ten dollars. Mention that most people will put twenty dollars in for
2: a mm, CD. Totally. I make
1: more money by not setting the price because they feel like they're supporting you. Hmm. You know. Um, yeah. A few years. So back, that's essentially how I did
0: it. A few years back, we had a, a house party in Los Angeles, and and had a a band that we'd seen at the markets, a quirky, quirky Tom Waitsy kind of duo, and uh, and people came, and you know, there's probably only. I don't know, 30, 40 people at the party, but I, I swear, every single one of them, you know, uh, bought, bought a fifteen dollar hand burned CD, you know, with no artwork from these guys yeah. because yeah. because they were fun, yeah. they were great. I
1: remember those days
0: too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. well, I'm telling you, you know, despite I don't know if I don't know if you feel the same way, but uh, despite what the industry as a whole is doing, I mean, uh, we, me, when I say we, I mean, you know, me and my students and the community around here, we, we sell music all the time you know i i find that fans will support you in any way that you ask them to um you know as a, sure. as, a as an industry sales are, are obviously down uh but when you are but the triggers uh, for a mainstream artist are completely different than the triggers for an independent artist the triggers the sales triggers for an independent artist have to do with relationships and when you're when you have that relationship, you, you want to have that physical thing. You want to have take, uh, you want to crystallize that experience, that bond that you feel with this, this person, this artist. And like you say, you want to support them. A lot of reciprocity goes into it. And I'm hearing actually reports of sales going up right now of physical as composed, as opposed to, to digital. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having absolutely no problem selling CDs, for example, um, not even just vinyl, but CDs that, that supposedly nobody buys anymore. Um, so I st- I still think it's a yeah a, I've got the same a, on, on too
1: I mean it's still it's still, and, and you know I remember I at a conversation this was she's a friend of mine Stephen Cantor the terrific filmmaker he uh, he told me this he told me this ten years ago he said stop buying nobody's gonna buy CDs anymore everything's gonna be digital there's no point in you spending a thousand dollars for you know fifteen hundred dollars for a thousand CDs right. and I said man I, I just can't see that I can't I couldn't see that happening mm-hmm. but it did happen. And I thought, wow, Stephen was right. And then, you know, six or seven years ago, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm still making a lot of money off my merchandise right. because of the house concerts.
0: Yeah, totally. So
1: I never stopped.
0: Hmm. You know? Totally, totally. Um, well, let, so okay, lots of questions. And I, first, I just want to do a recap. So it sounds like you're saying on that first gig, even if you're just more or less breaking even, obviously, uh, you know, putting some some money in your pocket would be nice. But if you just can break even on one gig in a in an area, um, a, a sort of you know drivable you know area, uh, then then you take the gig uh, and you you base your initial price. So you put out an offer, say, hey, I'm going to be coming to your town. How do you pitch that? So you know people don't know it's hard to hard to get people to reply when you're not even putting a price tag on it. How do you start the the conversation? What does that email look like?
1: The email looks like, "Hey, um, you know, I had somebody else do it for me. The first year when I did, I was just like, "Hey, I'm coming to your area and if you'd like a house concert, I can get you a deep discount, mm-hmm. okay? Because I'm already going to be there." And then Typically, they'll write back right away, and they'll say, "What? What? What are we talking about? What kind of money are we right. talking about?" You, even if you're not and coming I'll, to the area, you
0: say you're coming to the area.
1: No, the well. I mean, first of all, the the initial you know burst of email would go out and say, "Hey, this season of lawn chairs and living rooms is was what I tagged it as. Mm-hmm. Um, this season's opening up." Get your request in now. The big hook is if you have a special occasion, mm-hmm. let me know now because people want it on their birthday. Right. You know, or they want it on their anniversary. So they would get the priority. And I would let, even though they might not, I would still let them know that they were going to get the priority. If you have a special request for a date, get it now. That makes it seem more urgent. Like, I better answer because I want him on this date. And that's how I got people to come in right away. And then if somebody said, well, I'd like you to come to California on July, you know, July 21st or whatever. And then I'd say, well, that's, you know, that's quite a haul. And going to California means that I'm going to give up four or five shows here. So it's going to cost you a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but I can do it on your birthday. And they, the expectation is that they're going to pay three to four grand or whatever and that kind of thing. And then I'll hook that in there. That'll be one of the, one of the core gigs that weekend or that week, and then I'll try to book around it. Either I'll try to book on my way to drive out to California, which I've done before, which Mm -hmm. is crazy, but playing a show every night in different places, just trying to satisfy all of the emails that came in for the dates that they want. That's the first thing, and then you work around that. And then anybody else I can say, anybody local, I could show up. I mean, I could show up right now, this afternoon, and go to sure. the house
2: and play. Sure, you know, it's sure. much
1: easier because they don't care. They just they have a nice deck, and they want me to play in their deck, and they want friends to come over. There are those people that aren't that don't have specifics for you, right, you know, right, as well.
0: So, so I, I seem to remember, and maybe I'm remembering wrong. I seem to remember um, from our previous conversation, you talked about, uh, and again, you know, this is a decade ago, so maybe things have changed. But that in that initial email, you did sort of hint at price. You said something like, "a think, you know, in terms of price, it'll think, think big appliance or something like that." Yeah, like, how do you frame the, yeah, pr- the price funny. in email number one? Like well, just. The- well, the
1: very first email was, I, I'll consider any price.
0: Okay, got it.
1: That's the first thing. So you you put that out there and go, I'll consider any price.
0: Got it.
2: And
1: then you're saying, well, the majority of people who lost, you know, he was in the vert pipe and then just a few years ago, I was like, well, I don't want to, a lot of people were like, I don't want to insult you. Right, right. But how, how's $1,500? How's right, <laughs> like, right. Well, that's that's fine, I right, guess. Right, right. You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, some people come back and go, eh, well, you come over for $200. That's when you start to go, look, huh, yeah, your time is valuable. Sure. You know what I mean? It's not just your ego. Your time is actually valuable. If I'm going to drive across the state to play for, two, you know, $200 and then hope for you know 20 people there and getting another 200 hours and which was 400 hours it's like how valuable is my time if i gave them that saturday when a week from that saturday i could get a gig that comes in where somebody might pay me two grand and then i can't take it mm-hmm. because i took the 200 gig sure. and i'm not going to cancel a gig yeah you know yeah. what i mean sure so it's quite a bit of juggling involved in it
0: yeah you know? i can but imagine like,
1: there have been plenty of times where i had to say plenty of times where i had to say oh, i've already booked this Show and it was a $500 gig and I had something come in that, you know, that would have been a couple of grand, but listen the relationship with those fans is the most important thing
0: gotcha yeah no no i, I agree so again I'm, I'm i'm all about kind of trying to give people steps so i'm going to run a, a sort of potential email that i might send sure. out to my fans by you and you give it the thumbs up or the thumbs down or tell me what i might be missing so so if i want to do this um let's say you know i want to i'm going to go and put out my album once once lockdown's over and things are back to something kind of normal um and i so i send out some of the to my list saying hey uh i'm gonna i'm putting out a new album and i'm gonna go on tour but i'm not doing it the traditional way i'm gonna do house concerts and private events only and that means you know um if if you're interested i can come to you and play for your special occasion party or or anything anything at all uh, really so um uh, if you're interested in this uh, hit reply and, and let me know and we you know we can we can start a dialogue um, of, uh, the let's see how would I set up the costs I'd say uh, how much uh, pricing will depend on your location and travel and potential mm-hmm. travel expenses um, but I'm open to any offer that makes sense um, the the yep. range of dates I'm considering or I, I plan to be on the road are is between you know July and First in August thirtieth or whatever I want to put on that. Um, I hope hope to hear from you. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I hope to see you this summer. Something like that as a first email.
1: I think that's great. But what you're what you're missing there is there's a general uh, there's a general uh, uh, convention. I guess there's conventional wisdom out mm-hmm. there about the music industry, mm-hmm. and what I did and what I would do. In that, in that circumstance, if it's the first time you're doing it, is I would, say, I would say something to that effect. I would say, listen, make it sound like you've got your hat in your hand. Listen, yeah, yeah. Being a musician is really tough. Gotcha. Now. You know, people are streaming. You know, I just got people, I, I have 4 million streams at the freshman. I got to check for $200. dollars You know, make a joke of it. Sure. And go, you know, what am I going to do with $200 or whatever? Well, here's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to buy a tank of gas and I'm going to go on the yeah. road and I'm going to go play in people's homes. Isn't yeah. that crazy? But come on along with me. It'll be fun. Gotcha. You know, so that kind of thing.
0: Paint the picture. Because get them immediately on
1: your side. People will go, how can it, that's right. How can, how can I get on this side? How can I help them? And how can I benefit from them? Because I have a beautiful big yard and a lot of friends and I can look like a big shot and I have live music in my home, that kind of thing. yeah, that's yeah. that's the only thing that I think is lacking from that no, email that you're sending out.
0: It's great. It's great. It's, it's, you know, we talk about this a lot with our copywriting stuff and, you know, obviously, you know, just winging it, I missed it, but it's sort of, you're setting up a David and Goliath situation. It's, it's all of us against uh, the industry and, uh, and if, if they help.
1: And the most important thing is that you're commiserating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not,
1: you're not telling them, you're not making them feel guilty and you're going to commiserate with them because everybody out there is going to go, Oh, I know
2: There's, I, I totally. you know,
1: or I didn't realize that I didn't realize that I, you know, that you were only getting 0.000005 cents a yeah, dream yeah. or whatever it is.
0: Love it. You know what I mean? And love you'll it. get
1: empathy and you'll get, uh, you'll be able to commiserate with them.
0: Love it. Okay. So, so we do that. And then we get hopefully a, a bunch of emails from people that say, I would love to have you come. Um, I just, you know, I live at this location and I was thinking about this date, um, what will that cost me? And then so you you take that email and before you reply, you you, you jump online, you start looking hotels, gas or flights or whatever it's going to cost. You come, let's say you decide, okay, right. for, to be there, uh, fly in for one night and do this, this show, it's going to cost me 600 bucks. Um, or maybe it's gas, mm-hmm. so maybe it's only 200 bucks and let's, again, let's say it's 200 bucks cause it's, it's a tank of gas in, in a hotel. Um, and right. then, so I might be able to say, oh, look, I'll do it for 500 bucks. Um, and then, then I go and what, maybe use my, uh, in my, the way I organize my mailing list, I can, you know, by IP address, everybody's automatically segmented into states. So I could then go and email Everybody in if this was in California, I could email everybody in California and say, hey, I'm going to be touring in California. Um, uh, I'm going to or I'm going to be in your area uh, doing a, a run a house concert. Um, again, sell the experience a little bit in in the way that you just described. Um, if you're interested, because I've already got one show, this is going to allow me to bring the price down. And now I set a, a, a set price. Is that the idea?
1: There's one thing there's one step that was skipped here, okay, um, and that is I think that you have to when you send the initial email out that in that initial email, you also have to say, uh, please be patient, I expect a, a you know I expect a response from this, so please be patient if I don't get back to you within a day or two. I'll definitely get to you very, very soon.
0: Got that it. kind
1: of thing. So then you can wait until you get you know, three days worth of emails from your people and then you can go, okay, the emails have slowed down. Got it. I'm going to go through and I'm going to kind of map it out in my head what I would like to do, what would Mm -hmm. be the most convenient.
2: Mm -hmm. And then when
1: you do that, then three days later, you send it out to those people in California because they've already gotten your initial email, remember? So they're already getting another email from you. Mm -hmm. So three days later, they're getting an email that says, Hey, good news. I know I haven't heard back from you yet, but I did, you know, I kept the potential coming out there would this date work for you. So you have an excuse to write them
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, again three days later. You know what I mean? And then you'll see what comes with that. And and if and all the while, again, a lot of juggling all the while that you're doing this, you still haven't answered back somebody who might have said, Hey, I can offer you two thousand dollars to come over here. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. You that, still
1: haven't answered them back, so you still have the option to say, "Okay, let me find out if I can get other gigs there first. Mm-hmm. And I can't now. I, I can write that person back and say, "Oh, I'm afraid that weekend's not available, or it looks like this isn't going to work this time, or could you do this much money instead?"
0: Yeah, yeah, you I was gonna, I, mean? I was gonna ask you about that if somebody's in Alaska and you know you got nothing else going on that far away. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you say, well, I can do it, but unfortunately you're the only show in Alaska. So it'll cost $3,000 or do you say, look, I'm not going to be in your area because that amount of money might put off a fan. Like what's your attitude on that?
1: You know, I, I, you can be honest. I mean, people, uh, anybody knows that they, they, you know, they're, they're not going to expect that you're going to drop everything and go to Alaska for sure. $2,000. Right. Let's say, they want you bad enough you can you know they're going to have to pay for you to come to alaska you're not going to be able to take any other gigs and that not thing so that's that, that's i guess that's such an anomaly in this right. situation that, Sure, you sure. know that okay. I, I i wouldn't even know how to respond to that other than if they wanted me to go there which who would want you to go to alaska <laughs> in december but that's yeah, the slow yeah. month right, right. <laughs> you know what i mean
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you can easily make a commitment to go in you know You know, the end of November, and say, "Yeah, I I go to Alaska." You know, or let's let's not call it Alaska. Let's say some other remote place. But you know, you take them out of the three-month summer period because that's your money-making period, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to make any money going to Alaska.
2: Right, right.
1: You know, not not unless it's a you know it's it's somebody with a lot of disposable income. So you kind of let that go. Or you push them into the off
0: season. Right, right.
1: You know, that's the best way to do that.
0: Got it. That makes so. sense. So not not to belabor the point, but I'm just again just trying to trying to templatize this as much as I can. Is there any sure. point where I am sending out an email saying it is not it is going to be five hundred dollars? I'm putting a specific price tag on it, or is it always like where sure. where does that order link go out? And is it email number two? Once mm-hmm. I've kind of do I do I look at those five responses and go, I'm probably gonna get three out of these five, and that if I pull that off, yep. it's gonna cost me that. So email, the first email reply that goes out, has that order link in it or, or is after it? After
1: the three, yeah, after the three days of like trying to map out some sort of tour for the summer and trying to hit the specific places for people that want specific days for mm-hmm. their birthday or anniversary or whatever, right after you map that out and then you start answering emails After the three days of juggling things and trying to figure it out, that's when you can set a price. That's when you say, hey, I've got an idea here. Uh, Brian's going to be, you know, like I said, the second year I had somebody do it for me, but Brian's going to be in this area. We can get you on this uh, at this price. That's the second email that's sent out if you're still interested. And then they'll say, yeah, I'm interested. Or no, it's too much money. And if you say it's too much money, you say, well, sit tight we'll try to book another show because if we book another show in your area, your price will come down and they're like, Oh, all right, well, let us know.
0: Right. Right. And then
1: it's, then it's wide open.
0: And and I love that idea of taking care of the fans like that, where you're bringing your price down. But how are you, you know, to some extent what we charge is all arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Um, how, where's the bottom on that and how do you decide what that is? Is it just what feels right in terms of the impact you have on somebody's pocketbook?
1: You have to look at, um, you, I mean, it's such a, it's such a, it's a gut thing.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I I can't, I can't go, your, your time is valuable. I can't go, like I said, I can't drive across the state for $200. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I just, you know, I'm away from my family, my kids, my whole thing. So it's like, I can't do it. Somebody, if somebody's around the $400, $500 range, I'm like, okay, I can make this worth my while. Plus it's so, it's pretty inexpensive for them. It's half the price of a major appliance, (laughs) you know, uh, at Lowe's. Sure. Um but uh, you know, so you kinda have to do that. And then, you know, I've I've driven up to places where I've had the price low and I drove up and it's a freaking mansion. Mm. And yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. These people really just really kinda screwed
2: me. Right. Right. And
1: so you have to, but you have to play the show. Right. But next time they want to do the show, then you know what the situation is. Now I had I had an assistant who And look, I I promise you, I shut this down. He would, he would, he's like, why don't we just Google maps, Google earth and look at what their place looks like, but you can't do, I mean, listen, I guess you can do it if you want to do it. Not a bad idea. (laughs) I don't know.
0: For some people that you could argue it's in, it's in your own safety's interest (laughs) to do it.
1: I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the problem. I'll tell you the problem that people talk Yeah. and people talk. And if they, if they're a fan of yours and you go to the city and you play with your band in a public place and they happen to meet each other. They say, oh, we played at my house. Oh, we played at my house. Hey, what did you pay? By the way, I paid six grand. dollars. Yeah, like, oh my God. Then you've got enemies. So you, right. don't, you, you can't do it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I, I've never, I've never been able to bring myself to do it because there are people that will pay that amount of money. And if they offer that kind of money because they want to help you, wonderful. But I, I'm not going to go out and charge somebody six thousand dollars to go across the street. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So I think that's it's all, wonderful. It's
1: all a gut feeling. Mm, it's all a gut mm, feeling too.
0: Wonderful. You know? Well, let's let's—you've you, certainly talked about it a bit. Now I've got I've got like a bunch of questions here that I got to get out in our in our remaining 15 minutes. Um, but so let's talk about price now. Now you charge? Did you have an average price? I mean, you know, you talked about it in some general in a general sense. Did you ever settle on a specific price that was your kind of going? Right, by after a decade of doing this,
1: yeah.
2: The
0: nope.
1: first, well, the first, the first three or four years, uh, it was it was about seven fifty. I mean, that was pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average price was probably seven fifty, right. and I think that I had a reputation. I would go back to people's houses, you know, year after year, and it was it will always be seven fifty.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, and did you have and a... then? I had to raise it up.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I cut you off there. You raised it up.
1: Yeah. Then I think I think in the. Fifth year, I, re- I bumped it up to a thousand dollars, and most of the times I would say, "Well, that includes your expense, you know, the travel expenses. That's how you justify sure. bumping the price up."
2: Sure,
1: you know, for the people that already paid seven fifty, now people are grandfathered in. The people that did it the first year, I would go back to them, and I did go back to them many times at the same price. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because they had been there, you know, three or four years of doing it. It's like I'm not going to bump their price up, but. You know, when I put the initial email out on year number five, I bumped it up to a thousand dollar minimum, you know, and I started thinking of it that way. Mm-hmm. Again, you never set the price first. You right. see if they offer you anything.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, you that. So, I mean? so even once you got your sort of always. price right, you, you always started um, with, a, with a dialogue as opposed to ever sending out an order link initially. Always. Yeah, got it.
1: Again, I learned that lesson from the mansion, yeah, <laughs> mansions yeah. that I played. yeah, totally <laughs> you know, totally. Uh, so then, I mean that's that's essentially that's essentially it.
0: And yeah. I'm sure you've had many other musicians come to you that are you know haven't sold a million plus records. Uh, what What's your advice for the artist that has the smaller following that wants to do this in terms of price point?
1: You have to be entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's the thing. I think that, I don't think just because I've sold a million records, it makes me any more entertaining than anybody sure, else. Sure, You know, there were a lot of reasons why that happened. The machine was going, you know, we were a priority at the label kind of thing you have to be engaging and entertaining you set that tone when you walk into place you can't walk in and be you know you you have to smile you have to like enjoy the atmosphere enjoy the house, ask about the house ask about the neighborhood what do they do that kind of thing and be really charming you have to be sure i mean this is your 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 house concert career depends on you being charming being on time every time never being late be on on the minute, stay for the two hours, up to the two hours or whatever. Um, But you have to be engaging as a performer as well. You Mm -hmm. know, you could be, I've done plenty of these shows where the host didn't introduce me Mm -hmm. and I became background noise. Yeah, yeah. That's fine if that's what they want. But, you know, for, you know, the kind of money that I might ask for them to pay for the gig, sometimes, you know, the the most, and I'll tell you this, a lot of times, rich people—they're the worst ones, right. the worst concerts to do. Right. Poor people seem to love it and appreciate the fact that they put a lot of money out for this. They're going to get up and introduce you and tell yeah. you a little bit about them, or they'll tell you a little bit of their people about you, that kind of thing. And they always encourage people to buy merchandise. Yeah. Those are always the best shows. Mm. But you have to be engaging and you have to be entertaining as well. Tell some stories that are interesting and funny, and you know, let them pick the songs that. They want you to play as well. That's another thing. Got it. You know, Got it. let them make requests. Like I'm and play a couple of covers. Look, I played a couple of covers. I learned covers for people too because I want that one hour to be really entertaining. Right. And I don't think that has to do with having me so me having sold a million records. That's just the fact that I want people to be pleased because I want to come back again.
0: Right. Right. Well, I mean, uh, and but in terms of price point, do, would you say, hey, you know, try to try to get two hundred and fifty dollars a show, try to get five hundred dollars a show. Should everybody be trying to get a thousand dollars a show? Where do you think the uh, 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 a budding artist should should begin price point?
1: I think a budding artist should first start at the, at the low point. I yeah. mean, I think you need to start at two fifty, you know, three hundred dollars. I think that's a fair price. Got it. Uh, I think you can go to the. You can go to a rich uncle and know he can pay five hundred and go to him and go, hey, five hundred dollars. I come and play. What do you? What would you think of that? You know, I I I want to raise money for my new album, Uncle So and So, and then he'll have you come. And then you know, people. The great thing about this is that people will go to Uncle Rich guy's house. They'll see this, you know, beautiful backyard. They'll hear live music, you know, and they'll go, you know what? We've we've got a really nice patio. Got Let's it. do this. They'll, do this. They'll, they'll talk during the concert and at the end of the concert say, hey, we got a patio. What are you doing next weekend? Come do this. How much is it going to cost me? And say, well, Uncle Zones paid 500 If you could do that, great. We just got two 500 hour gigs in one week.
0: Got it. You got know? it. Yeah. So totally. that's
1: how you build that thing.
0: Did you ever work up a sort of revenue per head um, stat in terms of merchandise sales? Like an average, like, okay, there's going to be about, I, I presume at some point you're asking how many people will be at the event. Um, and do you do any kind of calculation? Yep. Well, on average, I'm making 10 bucks a head um, in merch or anything like that.
1: I never did that afterwards but I always asked uh, when we booked it, when you actually send the confirmation email mm-hmm. and what I suggest people do is in the in the um, memo section of the email say confirmation and exclamation points so mm-hmm. you can easily find those and all the gigs you have. Ah, uh, confirmation. You say I need your na- I need the you know address of the party, the time you want me there. I need any requests you have in advance in case you want to learn relearn some songs or whatever, and how many people are going to be there. If you could just tell me an idea, so I can bring enough merchandise. Yeah, that puts it out there that you're bringing merchandise. Then they'll know you're bringing merchandise. Right. And they'll know to say something about it. They'll have, sometimes they'll have a table set up for you or that kind of thing. Right. Um, so I typically would ask, as far as like what I made, it's hard to tell. I would bring enough, but again, I don't typically set the price for the merchandise. I put gotcha. a guitar case out like it's a tip jar, mm-hmm. and people throw money in, and they take something, and then it's all up in the air. Sometimes you get a $100 bill in there. Yeah, yeah, You know, and you never even, it's not a tip jar, but people assume because it's a guitar case that's opened up like you're a busker on the street, Yeah, sure. that they just come up and throw money,
0: right. you know? <laughs> right. So. Right. So, but, but the, you didn't, you didn't never calculate that into your, your projected earnings. Like, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to make, you know, X amount uh, per head.
1: Uh, that's not me, John. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough.
0: All right. That, so, I mean,
1: I've got, I've got this all calculated up to a point, but that's, at that point I start I sort of obsessing over that stuff yeah, sure. and I know me better than to
0: do that. Sure. Okay. Good. Well, good stuff. So I'm I'm this is all fantastic stuff. And I have some really important questions to ask you. And I know you've got an appointment. So we've got like seven or eight minutes left. Let's I'm gonna start going a little more rapid fire. Let's try to keep our answers like under a minute so we can get all this stuff out because I think there's some the important stuff. Sure. So w- one thing, let's talk about ego. You know, you you talked about you you said the words, you know, well, I'm kind of a rock star, and we all relate completely. You know, it's it's a hard transition, especially especially for us, you know, just slightly older guys, um, who, you know, came from, from a time before the internet where, where rock stars were mysterious. And, and, you know, I remember stories of Van Halen dressing up in costumes to be their own roadies beforehand. Cause God forbid somebody see a rock star loading their own gear. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, well, how does talk about that transition? Um, and, and do you have any advice for people who are kind of going, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know about playing somebody's living room
1: you've got to let go of your ego. I I make that part of my speaking tour. I mean, you you can't, you can't function when you're dragging an ego around with you. Yeah. There's there, there can be no ego when you're going into a trailer park that you thought was going to be a mansion and you're playing for, you know, a hundred people. You you have to look at it like, Hey, I'm playing for a hundred people. This is amazing. Yeah. You can't look at it like, oh my god, I what am I doing in this place, you know? Sure. I'm scared to leave my car out there yeah. unlocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, e- there's no place for ego in a house concert. Mm. Zero place. Yeah. You have to be the most magnanimous, you have to be the most charming person you could possibly be for these people because they bought you for 2 hours. Yeah. Be great, be funny, be charming. Don't have an ego. There's no place for it.
0: Got it. And you, you mentioned two hours, and earlier you talked about one. I know what you mean, but I'm realizing the listeners don't. So talk about what you what you commit to in terms of time per gig.
1: Two hours is pretty strict. Actually, actually it's very strict. We make sure it's clear in the beginning, because I typically have to go to another show and make mm-hmm. another show on time. I'm always mm-hmm. on time. Go there for a half hour for pleasantries. If you have a little PA system that you're using, set up your PA, pleasantries, talk a little bit, chit-chat, Start a half hour. Once you're in, half hour in, play for an hour, and then you have a half hour to kind of wrap up, sell some merch, sign some autographs, take some pictures, show their kid a guitar chord or two, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and then you get the hell out of there after two hours.
0: Got it. So thirty minutes of hang that's before that, the that's gig. My one, own yeah, yeah. One hour a gig, yep. and then thirty minutes, um, thirty minutes of chat, and then you go. Um, and even if you have extra time, first, do you first. do you ever just hang out and become friends, or do you keep it a little professional and leave on purpose? Okay.
1: Absolutely, no, nope, absolutely. I'll stay if the party's going and people want you to stay and you, know, and you have no other place to go that night, absolutely. But cool. typically, if you've got three or four gigs the next day that you're going to, you don't want to talk yeah. at all yeah. after a gig. You yeah. know, you'll lose your voice by the end of the day the next day, so I'll just go back to the hotel.
0: Well, and you've mentioned that a few times, multiple gigs. How many gigs per day um, were you doing? How many gigs do you recommend people do per day or try to do?
1: Think you can do I think you can do three a day wow. I don't think three I don't think three a day is too much
0: and and uh, so Listen, this this and, means if, that you're going you at a bar,
1: gig, you a bar gig if you had a bar gig if you had a bar gig you would play three one-hour sets or four one-hour sets typically sure what's the difference
0: well I would no, wonder no difference. does there, but this sort of implies that somebody wants you at you know one in the afternoon uh, kind of a thing is that not challenging to get those date people to take you in the daytime
1: uh, it wasn't. It, okay. it, it really wasn't challenging. Cool. I mean, a lot of people requested that kind of time. Oh, okay. I mean, people gotcha. don't want to do it before noon, that's for sure. But. But people, when you're out on a lake or whatever, no, yeah. they definitely want you in the heat of, the, unfortunately, the heat of the sun, typically. <laughs> right. Okay. But, uh, but you know, I mean, the prime time, of course, is a seven to nine slot. I mean, eight eight to ten slots of prime time. But I would do fireside things at midnight, right.
0: too, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Do you ever charge? I mean, another gig. Yeah, totally. Do, do you ever charge uh, different prices for the different time slots? So, you know, prime time is one price, earlier is not yeah. a different
1: price? Typically, typically, if you do it on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, you know you'd get, you know, you'd get a, a like a twenty-five percent discount or something. It wouldn't right. be as much, right? That kind of thing. If, if you've got the first gig in the day, yeah, noon, one o'clock, you know, you'd knock off a couple hundred bucks,
0: twenty-five percent again. Got you know, it. Something. What about creeps? You know, I can imagine women listening to this going, "Yeah, this sounds all great, but I ain't going out and showing up at some stranger's door, doorstep." I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have, perhaps, I would think, encountered it as, as much, but. Um, you probably have some insight into it for because I'm sure you've been asked this question before.
1: You have to be communicative.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: emails.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: you, it's going to be your gut. That's all you can do. If there's any, any question that something might not be legit or if the emails keep coming in. Here's one thing we found. If you go back and forth with some person more than five or six times, this is going to be a problem gig. Mm,
0: right, right. Yeah, that's great. You know <laughs> what I mean? If advice. they want
1: every day, every day, every day, another email from them, I wouldn't take that gig. Gotcha. I'd say, oh, something happened or whatever, and we're going to have to not do this. Or a lot of times, how we learn that is that I did that before, and then people didn't. Want, they just wanted to communicate with you. They didn't want to book you at all. Right. We wasted all that time. Right. And you, know, you show up at their house and their lights are off. Yes. Right. Like, right. That's happened too. I mean that's part of the that's part of the problem.
0: So so you can expect My that. only
1: advice is communicate as much as possible. Right. And that you can expect that there's gonna be some there's listen, I mean it's not all if they're not people aren't all perfect. Yeah. yeah. Not the perfect gig. Again, no ego. Don't have an ego. For safety purposes. I don't know if I would be a woman and do it on my own. I yeah. might have somebody just along to sell merch.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, cool. that kind of thing. Good, good that, advice. That's me. And um, do you take the payment uh, before you go, or do you take just a deposit and then show up and get the remainder?
1: I've worked on uh, I worked on a trust,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on a trust basis. So for the whole I, thing, I the no deposit. deposit thing, but you know. If you, I did deposits for three or four years, and what I found out is that when you do a deposit, a lot of times people want to pay you up front or pay half or whatever. And then you find out, wow, your your monthly planning for your summer gigs is now cut in half because you made all that money in the wintertime or half the money. Now, there's a good thing, there's a good side to that, too, of course, that if you're slow months, you're not making any money. You got these deposits coming in, which is very nice. However, deposit also means that you are 100% committed to that gig. Right. You know what I mean? So I had a tendency to, I shot myself in the foot many times by taking a deposit or being paid in full. And then something else happened. A vert pipe got a huge twenty thousand dollar, thirty thousand dollar gig, and I had to cancel a show. Mm -hmm. And then I already took the money, and then it was a whole hassle. Right? You know, you don't want that. So I would, I would recommend the first year, you don't try trying to take a twenty five percent deposit and seeing how that goes for you. Right. And if you can budget correctly,
2: then great.
0: Right. right cool what do, you, what do you think about people handling this themselves as the artist versus um having a manager or frankly as i know a lot of people are going to be thinking pretending to be their manager
1: yes i pretended to be a manager for the first, for the second and third year <laughs>
0: uh
1: but that listen that's what people do yeah, you know you totally. do i think maybe whether people are on you or not i don't know right uh but then it just got to be too much so then i actually hired somebody to do it. But, right. um, How did that relate to your question? What was your no?
0: No, that was kind of the question. I just thought, wondered if you thought that was a good idea. Should we should we be creating that barrier um, so that we're a little so you know we have the potential for good cop, bad cop. We're a little more private. um, uh, They're not wasting our time. We're creating a little mystery. Or should we be personal and totally accessible? And year one,
1: year one, and year two, I would do it myself. Yeah. Okay. I, I would recommend people do it themselves. Be personable. Uh, just like I said, hat in your hand, yeah. commiserating the whole thing. You have to be no ego. And then after that, you find that the organization's easier and you can charge a little bit more and good good cop, bad cop. I understand that too. Gotcha. Um, then I would hire somebody to do it or pretend like you're somebody else.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I know you got to go, but one final thing that we never talked about and I'll probably add it to the setup cause it's so impressive, but I want to hear it from your mouth. Like talk about the potential earnings. You, you did very well with this. Um, how much money do you, did you sure. be able to make out of this thing?
1: I was I, I shot up to six figures a year, uh, just from the summer months.
0: That's fantastic. You know,
1: I mean, that, that was, I mean, it was, uh, it was easily a hundred, hundred K, uh, the first year, second year was more of 125. Wow. Um, so I mean this, and that's just, that's go get them, get them, get them, get them. I mean, that's from May until September, until October, even taking pretty much every gig you can. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, I went from making twenty k, thirty k a year to over hundred k in that first year. I mean, yeah. that was that was amazing. Amazing
0: thing for me. Gotcha. So you five, pay my mortgage. Yeah. Five, five, yeah. six months of, of tour circuit and making six, six figures a year. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, before that's we, si- easy that's, that's amazing. Um, before we sign off, um, and I don't mean to rush, I just know you got an appointment. Um, talk quickly about rockstar reinvention and what you're up to these days
1: yeah Rockstar Reinvention is this thing that I've created with a buddy of mine, and what we do is we go into corporations and we tell the story of how you know of uh, the hard, the good times in the beginning of the verb pipe and then the bad times with the nine eleven album and then how I had to reinvent myself and I tell the story about you know the woman that wrote me for the first time and asked me to come and play for play for her family and friends. And uh, and then I show you know uh, a slide presentation of the whole thing, but it's all about how you can reinvent yourself. It's never too late to reinvent yourself, uh, and part of that is letting go of your ego, like we talked about as well. So, I mean, that's finding your focus and pursuing your passion. That's basically what rockstar reinvention is about. It's a forty-five minute to an hour presentation, and I play some songs in there too. And when I talk about recording The Freshman, I play The Freshman, and uh, so it's a it's a fun engaging thing to do and it makes for business meetings to be much more entertaining we call it edutainment Mm -hmm. in the industry Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so i get to go in and you know i get to go in and and talk tell my story and then uh, and people can learn a little bit of a lesson and they can hear some music.
0: Very so. cool, very cool. Well, there's also the Lawn Chairs and Living room, uh, Rooms documentary that I'm trying to work something out around, so we, we won't spend too much time talking about that right now, but when we return, I'll, I'll have an update on uh, for folks listening on on the this very cool documentary that a, a good friend of both uh, Brian's and, and mine, Devin Gummersall, uh, shot, which documents the whole uh, experience that Brian had in the early days of, of going out and doing these house concert tours. All right, Fun, well, yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. This has been this has been really fantastic. Um, you know, we'll we'll have to do it again in another ten years.
1: <laughs> Let's not keep it that long. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All man. right, John. Sounds good. Thanks, T- man.
0: Take care. You too. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.